Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. They take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. In this new year, Yumiko is more committed than ever to promoting transparency and sustainability in their business practices, while staying devoted to eco-friendly production practices that will contribute to the longevity of a healthy globe. Yumiko is passionately focused on connecting and lifting our dance community to promote a more loving and equal world through the power of togetherness. The New York City flagship store is open to customers with limited hours, or you can shop online at yumiko.com. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to stay updated on new releases, live events, store updates, and all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today, we chat with our friend and former Miami City Ballet dancer, Adriana Pierce. We last spoke with Adriana in episode 44 from May 2017. Since that episode, she has left Miami City Ballet and is now a freelance dancer and choreographer in New York City. She tells us about some of the projects she has been a part of since moving, what the pandemic has been like as a freelance artist, and about her new project with two American ballet theater dancers, hashtag Queer the Ballet, recently featured in The Guardian. Hi, Adriana. Thank you for Hi. coming back on the pod. You are a returnee. Um, we looked back and it, it seems that we haven't talked to you since 2017. I know it's been a while. Yeah. It's time. Time flies. When um, it's a pandemic. So let's do, let's just do, <laughs> yeah, God. So time flies and a million things have happened since 2017. So let's just do a little catch up. At, at that point, you had something exciting on the horizon. I don't know if it had been confirmed yet or if you it was had May just 2017. May 2017. Would you Maybe have auditioned for Carousel by that point? I think I was like in the process of. You didn't know that you had gotten it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I well, think I. Well, yeah, it was like the end of that month. And then mm-hmm. and then it all just kind of happened quickly. Right. Regardless, we were definitely not talking about these things on that podcast episode <laughs> because it was very hush, no. hush and not, you know, it had not come to fruition yet. So tell us a little bit about that. What what was the thought process like um, for you making the jump from being in a full-time major ballet company to fulfilling this other dream of yours, you know, being on Broadway? Um, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me, um, because it was something that I always wanted to do. And I think that's something that like, you know, yeah, it was just like, oh, okay, now I can go do this other thing that I, it almost felt like, like everything was going to according to plan, which is a little bit crazy. But, um, and I think it, it happened quickly and I like just jumped and came up to New York and I'm so glad that I did. I think that like, it was time for me like in in a in a good way to kind of like 
close that chapter of, of being a professional ballet dancer and now do something else that mm -hmm. um, I'm really passionate about. And I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that it happened. I think, um, you know, have, obviously knowing you really well, it's, it's interesting. I think some people do just kind of make that jump as like, it's something to do, but you have your, your roots are as deep in musical theater as they are in ballet. You know, you are as much of a, I don't know what, what's the term for a musical theater dork, musical theater dork as you are yeah. a bunhead, you know, like you just know, like you are very steeped in that. Like you love the history and the culture of it. And so it was, it's more than just like a, um, you know, okay, I guess I'll do this now. It was very much like achieving the other, the twin dream to ballet. Yeah. I, it's funny because I actually like, I realized once I was like there with other people who had been on Broadway for many years and like mm -hmm. I knew as much, if not more than mm -hmm. like in terms of like Broadway trivia or like musical theater trivia. Right. Like I, <laughs> that than the other people who like work in the industry so that was fun but but it also doing carousel was a great like transition too because it was just in choreographing so it felt familiar in mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways and it was kind of a really nice like jumping off point and There's still a um, lot of dancing too mm -hmm. a lot of dancing a lot of really great dancing and also also something I loved about that experience was doing the eight, eight show week, which mm -hmm. we don't really like do. We will do for like a period of time, like during Nutcracker. Well, actually that's like an 11 or 12 show week sometimes, but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that's crazy. But um, doing, performing the same thing that many times over and over um, taught me so much about myself um, as a, as a performer and, and as an artist. And I think it allowed me to like, feel really comfortable and confident in my own skin and in my own dancing. And um, yeah, I'm just really like grateful. And I've taken that with me now for the past three years, like everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. So you have many passions, as we know, um, three of three big ones, ballet, musical theater and choreography. So you've always, not always, but definitely during your professional career had ambitions to choreograph. So did you feel a little bit like when you were deciding to make this transition, like you were choosing this one path where you worried about what that could mean for your choreography career? Yeah, I definitely felt like I was having to kind of focus in one direction. And I didn't, I, you know, there was like a year and a half or almost two years, maybe it was like a year and a half that I didn't choreograph at all because also the transition, it was like moving back to New York. Uh, it was such, I was kind of in, there was a lot of like personal growth and change happening. So yeah. And I, and I realized that I, I had to kind of channel my energy towards, mm -hmm. uh, um, towards the dancing and, and that transition and away from choreography. But I, I kind of just had to like have faith that everything was, I was going to be able to get back on track. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I think something about moving to New York and not being in a, a, a ballet company structure anymore is that you just have to have faith in yeah. the future. Like mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen, but you just have to, you just have to believe that the right thing will happen. You, and, and, and you, you know, everything will be laid out for you the way that it's supposed to be, even if yeah. you don't know what it is. Right. I mean, we were just were talking to Kurt Froman last weekend or last week. And um, he said after his first Broadway gig, 
uh, with moving out, he didn't get another one for three years, but you know, he really held on to the, the faith and, um, you know, just push, push, push to get back into it. Um, but before we talk about getting out of carousel, I did, I did want to circle back to what you were just saying about, um, the eight show week, you know, doing the same thing that consistently, because you are someone who is very open with your, um, you know, coping with uh, forms of stage fright. So is that something, obviously you can't maintain performing anxiety for a year <laughs> doing the same thing eight days, you know, eight, eight shows a week, eight days a week. Um, but uh, is that transferable then? Like, or or does that mean you're only comfortable? Like, okay, I, I did that, I got comfortable in that. How do you, how does that work going into the next project? So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I will always be a nervous performer. I think it's like, <laughs> it's something that I will have to live with forever. <laughs> but what was really helpful for me about that process is that I got to, a. I think part of the stage, part, part of that nervous performing anxiety is, thing is that like, is it makes me doubt my ability. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that fear of not being able, feeling like I might not be able to actually do what I have to do is what is the most like crippling to me personally. Mm -hmm. And so I had done the show enough times that I could like objectively say, um, nailed it (laughs) that I can do this, you know? And, and inevitably it's not going to be perfect every time. But the fact that it happened so many times allowed me to be like at ease with my ability um, in a way that I've never felt before. Right. You know, if you do a ballet like five times and then it's over forever and you're never going to be able to come back and fix it or make it better. You know, that's that's a lot to kind of handle emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was the first time that I really had to confront that anxiety and where that was coming from and understanding that it was coming from self-doubt. But then... um, having to kind of climb out of it by truly like having faith in myself and, and knowing that I'm actually kind of a good dancer. Like I can do this Girl. and I can do it well, yeah, you, you know, can. but I mean, it's all, it's all the it's self-talk. It's, you right, know, it's just right. like internalizing what's happening around you. And so um, that was huge for me. I am absolutely a different artist coming out of that experience and everything that has happened to me since then um, has been informed by that you know, confidence. I, again, I will always be nervous. I will always be shaking in the wings before going out. I think that that also comes from wanting wanting to do really well. I love mm-hmm. what I do and I want to do it well. But um, yeah, I definitely, definitely learned a lot and will take it with me. Did you feel um, changing styles? So we're go- going from point shoes and tights and leotards and fear of technique. Like that was always, I know you and I have talked about that too. Like always like when there's executing technical things, those were always like the most scary moments. So when you're going to this different kind of dancing that maybe doesn't have quite those same technical styles, but you're on Broadway, like does it kind of change the way the scale works in those, in terms of like what you're kind of nervous about? It's interesting because I felt more comfortable doing that type of movement. I think that, I think taking away the point shoe and the, I mean, there's still technique involved, but I, I definitely feel more comfortable. I felt more comfortable on, on, in that capacity and made, made me, I think it, um, confirmed for me what I love about performing and what I'm 
particularly good at. Um, you know, in the, in the ballet company, I was always wanting to do the more like theatrical roles, the more contemporary roles, um, the roles that were not necessarily just straight classical ballet. And I think that, um, and that's great. And that's, you know, who I am and where I fall in, in, in the ballet canon. But um, so I think on this side of my ballet career, it just confirms that those are the things that I, I love to do. And, and, um, and also, you know, I love doing lots of different styles and all the projects I've done since leaving ballet have been different stylistically. And I think that being kind of freelancing in New York right now allows me to, 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 to utilize my skills and all, and all of those areas. So can we talk about that transition from having um, an eight show a week to freelancing at the moment. Um, what were some projects that you were able to get into right after Carousel? Um, did you have a specific idea? Like, oh, did you want another show right away? Or did you want, you know, many projects here and there? What, what was the the goal from there on? Well, first of all, I want to say that when going from going from eight shows a week and like a very solid, exciting job and being on stage every night to having nothing is like, the most terrifying thing. Mm -hmm. And it is part of this business and it is the way it goes. And I, you know, I tried to prepare for it as much as possible emotionally, but it is like, you feel like the bottom, the bottom just fell out. Like Mm -hmm. it is such a scary, you feel like you're just like plunging into a a deep pool with no bottom. It's really scary. But Mm -hmm. um, after it was very clear that I during the run that I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this again. I don't know how, I don't know when I want to do this again. I want to keep working. I love being here. I love mm-hmm. this life. I love these people. Yes. Um, and luckily um, it was literally the day after we closed, I had um, another audition for um, the Fosse Verdon TV mm-hmm. show. And so I booked that. I, I can't remember if it was like a couple weeks after that, maybe I heard that I had gotten that. So I was really lucky that that happened quickly. Right. Um, and could kind of go into that experience. Right. And that there was that kind of thing going on, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that was so rare, really, right? To have dancing on TV like that doesn't happen. That, that yeah. That was the most incredible experience. And even just that audition process, everyone talks about that audition, like how special it was because it's just like all these amazing dancers. I mean, just like, so just like you're and you're just all in the room doing this great choreography and just like oh it was such a great feeling and yeah working on that show was it was amazing mm-hmm. yeah so another large big deal project that you were working on was the West Side Story movie which begs the question were you then trying consciously to make a move onto film and television or is that just a part of the biz you know is that just like okay that's one option we have we're just trying to to pay the bills by piecing these things together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I definitely wasn't like thinking that the year after I left Carousel, the big jobs that we're going to have were movies and TV. Like I definitely wasn't planning on that, but that, yeah, that's what came up. And, um, for me personally, I just, you know, those are projects that I really wanted to do and was lucky enough to, to, to get to do them. But, um, for me, I, I, I want to get back on stage for sure. I really, I really do. I feel that's where I, I'm at most at home, but I will happily like to any, anyone out there listening. Um, I will happily 
do any t- TV or film dance project. Anyone <laughs> hire me. I'm here. <laughs> What's so what, what were some of the differences? Like, especially since we were just talking about stage fright, um, how does that come into play when you're it's for film, you know, there's no live audience. Does the pressure feel different? It is so different. Um, it's so different because first of all, I think the major difference, which is kind of an obvious difference is that there's no audience there. So Mm -hmm. you don't feed, you can't feed off of that energy. And, and we do that almost even without thinking when we're on stage, like Mm -hmm. you just, it's part of the thing that is happening. Um, and so you just don't have that. So you have to be very, you just have to be very like in the moment of exactly what's happening. And then they like finish rolling and you're just kind of like, Oh, did it happen? Like it's just, it's Mm -hmm. a very, it's a very different experience, but it's also amazing because it feels immersive. I remember when we went on, I first went on set for, um, my episode of Fosse Verdon and they had constructed a studio that was supposed to look like, um, I don't know, like old, uh, 890 Broadway or something. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and, you feel like you're really there. So that's, right. it's kind of, it's kind of cool um, to, to feel f- fully immersed in, in that world, but it's definitely different. The energy is different. And also I felt like I, obviously we had direction, but I think there's a lot more of just feeling where you are in the space and making choices to that, that are appropriate for that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that, that I found to be very, very, different and especially and I also like you know doing Fosse was like that was the first time I've ever done anything like that Mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to I was supposed to be like the the dance captain in my Mm -hmm. uh, in my episode but so I was just having to like try to like between takes like reconcile the fact that I am me Adriana playing the dance captain to Fosse like I just it was just like (laughs) so crazy to me mm-hmm. but um anyway i i think i just went around in circles but so do you, do you think that you had more agency then is that what you're saying kind of like you or it's just different um i think no i think there there is a little bit more agency i think there is a little bit more freedom i wish actually that i was more relaxed now that i look back <laughs> on that episode i wish that i had relaxed into that a little bit more mm-hmm. but it was my first time i didn't really know what i was doing to be honest but then when going into west side story I felt then I had kind of had that experience. So then I've knew I, I just let go a little bit more. And I felt like I would just, t- I remember telling myself like, you're in this space, you are this person in this world, like be that person, go, go, go. And I, and I, it was really fun because I felt, I felt more free and I felt like I was making more like authentic kind of choices in the moment. You're making me think of when we did the PBS special, the Miami City Valley PBS special. And when we got into that set, so, and this is, so there's differences, right? I remember we got on that set, we're doing a ballet with our costumes, like we're on stage, except for there's a wall directly in front of you and cameras. So like when you're used to projecting up to the top of the theater, and one of the things we love about Adriana's dancing, especially is all her beautiful stage presence. So what was that like too because then also you weren't pretending that you were in a theater you were kind of pretending that you were in a studio but you also have this element of performing so how do you like reconcile mm-hmm. what your presence should be like does that make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would I yeah. think I would I just remember feeling so confused when we were on that tv set like what are we supposed to do like I didn't expect that feeling 
Yeah, it's 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 different. It's um, I, I think again, it's just it's just like understanding the world that you're living in, literally mm-hmm. feeling and 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 bringing it, scaling it back. Like you have to consciously sc- to like s- scale back that projection, so you're not projecting to the to the balcony. It's mm-hmm. it's a different um, you know. It's like it's silly to say, but it's like less less is more. You know, the camera will pick it up. So as long as it as long as what you're doing is coming from like a, a sincere, authentic, like human place, it the the camera will pick up on it. But it is it is a difference. And mm-hmm. um, but I think like for West Side Story, it was easy because it just felt like we were all literally at a party, dancing mm-hmm. around, and we had our partner. And you kind of play off of them, and um. Uh, what I think, what what I found most difficult is hitting your mark without looking like you're hitting your mark. So like the cameras are set up and you have to go, you know, it's, you have to be in a very specific place um, right. to, to make some of these shots, but you like, can't like walk to your spot on the floor and like look down right. and make sure that you're there. <laughs> and so um, I remember there was one specific moment where they wanted like my skirt in a shot because of the way that it it like moved the right way. Mm -hmm. And so, and I had to like hit that spot, but I couldn't look down. And I was like, that's when I really like, that was the hardest thing for me. How, (laughs) how do y'all do it? (laughs) Like, I don't know. That's crazy. I never thought about that. And of course like on stage, you could just like do a beautiful head to like mm -hmm. find the spot or whatever. Or there's like marks in the front of the stage, you know, like, right. Um, in in Broadway, yeah. it's numbers. I want to hear what I also want to hear about, and maybe tough to talk about. But you were saying how, f- as freelance, and I know you and I have talked about this. Like when I saw you in New York, you were in one of these in between periods. I was like, how do you do this? It must be so hard. Like coming from like you're saying, really solid work um, with Miami City Ballet, and then with Carousel, and then of course everything changed when the pandemic hit. So how has that been kind of navigating? I think a lot of people tend to think like about dancers that are in companies that have work waiting for them when they get back. What is your experience been like as a freelancer that's just like legitimately waiting on all of this to come back? Um, it's been a journey for sure. And I've, I've, I feel I'm in a very different place now than I was, um, you know, almost been almost a year now, um, when everything kind of first hit. And I was, I was lucky because the last thing that I did before, um, everything kind of shut down in March was I premiered a, a ballet at Carolina ballet. And so luckily they had the opening weekend mm-hmm. and um, then you have the I video home. <laughs> I do. I have the video. It really happened. Very um, important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was just such a great experience also working with those dancers. And, um, and then I came home and that was it. So I at least like felt like I ended on a, on a good, yeah. on yeah. a good note and something that was really inspiring. Um, and then I think, then it was up and down. It was a journey. At first it was, oh, let's just like party and drink, you know, because this is going to be over in a a few weeks. Yeah. It's like a nice, it's like a vacation. And then that turned into, oh, I'm like losing work. I'm losing work right now. Like this. Okay. And then you kind of fall, I fell into a a depression. I feel like most of us probably did. Mm -hmm, Um, So then it was like a a very, it was very low, a very low period. Um, and then losing more work, you know, every time you get the email that those rehearsals are canceled, that was right. hard. Um, and then, um, 
I was able to, and I didn't really even dance. I took a long time off, actually. Mm -hmm. It was the longest I've ever not danced in, in my life, which I don't regret, but it, it was an it was an interesting choice <laughs> um having to come out having to come out of that well ha- has been like hard but um it was kind of what felt like it needed to happen in the moment and then um i was lucky enough to have a little bit of work dancing in the fall um but then that ended and i think in the new year i'm in a new place i have had the lowest of the lows and now I'm trying to kind of be reborn in whatever possible way I can. And I think that, I think towards the end of 2020, I had a personal reckoning and I said, basically where I said, emotionally, I can't sit here and have my mentality be, well, I'm just going to wait until things open up because it made me feel stagnant Mm -hmm. and it made me feel like I had no options. Right. And so I realized that I needed to shift something in my perspective to think, you know, I could let me do something different. Let me manifest something for myself so that I feel, I feel I have power over. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I have been, (laughs) I have Mm -hmm. been doing that and it's, and it's been giving me purpose. And, but I think I needed I needed to drop down. I needed to drop down into the depression to feel like I, I had to give me perspective and right. feel like I have somewhere to go. So has this primarily been centered around uh, like using your choreographic voice or what, what are the ways that you've been um, manifesting things that will be artistically satisfying that aren't, you know, going to fit into our pre COVID world? Right. So, so the thing is that there aren't just like as a dancer, there just aren't really things happening. So right. um, it's just not even really an option right now. <clears throat> and I mean, besides like something, you know, a project that I would make myself, but it's actually given me an opportunity right now to focus on my choreography. So and it's interesting, we talked earlier about how when I first moved back to New York, I had to really focus on my dancing and performing career and my choreography kind of, you know, put on was put on the back burner. And now I feel like I'm I flipped it to the other side right. and I'm using this time as opportunity to really focus on my choreography and see what I can do with it. And mm. I honestly, I'm glad I had that time of personal growth. I'm glad I have experienced all the things that I have because now kind of going back to my choreography, I, I, re- I've learned so much and I realize what, how I want to contribute um, to to the dance world with my choreography, what I what, what I need to be saying right now with my work, um, and basically, and and kind of moving forward with confidence um, in in my own creative voice. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling like um, like you're talking about what you want to be saying? Are you feeling like I think feel like this is happening maybe for all artists across the board, kind of that like everyone's influenced by this time there's so much happening and everyone's been influenced by it. So do you feel like you're moving from some more abstract stuff into something that has more what, like you're saying more of a voice more that you're saying something with it? I think that, um, 2020, yeah, definitely has allowed us or forced us all to kind of confront, um, the ways that we are all complicit in, things like systemic racism and, and in, in all industries across the board, I think we're, Mm -hmm. people are trying to 
are realizing that we need to step up and we need to make it better. And I think the pandemic has allowed us all to have the time and space to be discovering those things and, and, and really put, create some lasting change. Um, so for me, what happened uh, during the pandemic is that I finally, so I, I'm one of the only like queer women who, to have danced in professional ballet and like, you know, there, I spent the whole time, um, with my ballet career thinking that I was like actually the only one. It turns out I'm not the only one I have. Um, <laughs> during over the summer, I was able to connect with um, other queer women and non-binary dance dancers from all around the world. And we assembled and um, we have a little group, a little Zoom group that like we meet together and, and chat and connect. And um that has Another been way that it brought people together, right? Like a Zoom group. You would never have thought to do a Zoom group like no, that pre-pandemic. Never have thought. Never have thought to do a Zoom group like, like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But How we, did you get connected to, to these people? Like it, yeah. it's like something you've wanted for so long. And now how did you even you, – you always had this sort of frustration. Of course, it's, it's alienating being um, the only – queer woman queer woman you know of in the industry so what what was what was the process of finding others that you know you, that have the same like okay finally i found someone like me there are gay men aplenty in ballet mm-hmm. but you are not a gay man even if we joke you are <laughs> <laughs> right well you know and it's been it's been a, again a, a, a process it's been a process. And actually the first time that I spoke about it publicly was when I wrote a blog post, which came out, I think in 27, 2018, mm-hmm. I, a couple years ago. Um, and then, but like, you know, I started talking about it, but it, it kind of, I mean, people, people were reposting the blog and stuff, but it didn't really become a larger conversation. And then a year later, I, um, saw a, an article posted, I think by dance magazine and it, it featured, it was about LGBTQ plus dancers uh, and creators in the dance world. And it featured um, a woman uh, named Kiara who is queer and, uh, and she, and I was like, what? And I, I was like, I saw this article and I was just like, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Like, okay, okay, okay. So I messaged Kiara right away. I was so excited. I was like, I was so excited to see your article. Um, turns out that that article by Dance Magazine was actually posted a year before I actually saw it. It uh-huh. originally was written a year before. Um, and then they reposted it for, for Pride. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first saw it. But so then, so <laughs> I was shocked because like, my blog had come out at the same time as this other article, and right. but then no one was talking about it, and I didn't find out about the other article until a year later. Right. Um, it just was like so when I when I connected with Kiara at that point, we all realized that like yeah, no one. This is not a conversation that the like ballet world is having because otherwise we would all know that each other exists. So then, um, what happened after that is that there was another Point magazine article that sh- that um featured another few queer dancers um, mm-hmm. in companies. And I was just like, okay, here's a few more. And we all, none of us know that each other exists, right. but like, it's like starting to be, be a conversation. So then I reached out to them. Um, Lauren Flowers, one of the, one of the people from um, that, that article and she and I got together and I was like, I want to get people in a zoom and, and get people together. And we contacted 
as many as we could. And then more people, people gave us names, people, and we kind of just like created this little community. How many people do you have now? We have like 17 people that are kind of like active. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a list of people that have not quite joined yet. Um, of like another another 15 or so so i love it that's so great i mean it's just yeah it's to be sort of feeling alone in your field in that way and then to have um a community and even if it's an online community that feels like a really important way and it will bolster your ability to use your voices right i mean as this great article in the guardian kind of covers through your interview um you were afraid to use your voice or you all felt um, that your sexuality was um, an impediment to your career or um, that, you know, it would made you less than within the company. So um, having this community, I imagine, is a really big deal for, I mean, not just feeling like emotionally supported, but just to be able to continue to forge a path as an artist. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I think that the lack of visibility for for all of us, really, um, it 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 makes you. I, I found that I would like internalize um, my feelings, <laughs> the, like the way that it feels to to not be seen, mm-hmm. or you know, it it makes you turn inward, kind of, and feel like then then who I am is is wrong somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have these stories or, or these moments, like when I speak to, to these other dancers on the zoom, it's like everyone has a moment where they feel like they've had to distance, distance themselves from ballet or a a feeling of being kind of like disillusioned Mm -hmm. by the art form in some way, which it's just not fair, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not okay. And I think hearing all of those stories and connecting about all of our experiences that is what has really inspired me to be more vocal about um, the fact that we are all here. You know, I think mm-hmm. the, the first thing, the first thing that I really want to do is make sure that the ballet world knows that we do exist. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anyone uh, with the work that I'm doing now. Like I just, I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they are alone um, or that we don't, we don't see them, you know? Um mm-hmm. So I think I think fighting for that kind of mainstream visibility and inclusion is really really important, and will really really change. Um, I don't the I don't the emotionality of of being different um, in our industry. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you're creating on two American Ballet Theater dancers? Um, and in the article, you talk a little bit about it. Uh, and I love because it's something that you used to talk about all the time, um, just the power dynamics involved in overhead lifts. I love that you brought this up because it's just it's something you used to kind of joke about. You used to just say, like, I want to just can someone choreograph a ballet where I just dead press Ashley Knox? Um, <laughs> because you're right. It just inherently or the and you discuss the point shoot being something that separates and or others someone within the, the framework of a. Apatita. So you have um, two women that you're you're making a work for. Um, and how are some of these ideas that you've or thoughts you've had about the, just how gendered ballet is? Um, how are, how is that going to come into play with your voice as a choreographer in this work? 
Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think like the last time we, I was on the pod, we actually talked about some of this, but, um, yeah. and I'm still, still, still working still talking on it. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so this residency I'm, I, I, I'm working on right now, um, it's going to just be all about creating movement language for two women who are partnering on point. So these are these the, the idea of two partners having equal agency in, in a pot of the work is something that I, I always work on. But I this is the first time I'm going to be having the time and the space to just play, mm-hmm. get into it, see, feel, you know, see how it feels for, for two women on point to actually be partnering um, with each other. And yeah, our partnering system is super gendered in ballet. I mean, there's just no other way around it. And um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them, um, as I said in the article, is the fact that the woman is on point. If one person's on point and one person isn't, right. um, that really sets them apart and changes their dynamic. Um, and... And it's interesting because some of the work that I did, the work that I did do in 2020 as a dancer um, was a, a lot of tap dancing. I was working, you know, and I, I obviously am primarily a ballet dancer, but working um, as a tap dancer in a space with other tap dancers made me realize um, that, so we were all in the same like tap shoe, a tap shoe, like mm-hmm. for men and women in tap is like the same shoe right it has a little heel but it's just like a, it looks like a little like loafer almost mm-hmm. and i felt for the first time so comfortable um with like my gender presentation in mm-hmm. rehearsal in a way that i never felt like as a ballet dancer with point shoes or even in in, in pieces that i work with when i work on that i'm in heels um mm-hmm. The the use the the fact that all everyone in the room is in the same shoe I felt was this huge equalizer, and it took away it took away um not ex- expectations of gender but um the way that we <laughs> the way that we present gender um and I just it made a huge impact on me and so then it got me thinking about how can I use ballet to how ha- how can I create work that utilizes that feeling or mm-hmm. kind of celebrates that feeling. Um, and so actually the, uh, I did a, a piece for New York Choreographic Institute that was all women. And um, I went in with that in mind, that if all of these women are in point shoes, they're all the same. And mm-hmm. the point shoe becomes less it, it, less of a gender qualifier and more of a skill a skill that all that all of these dancers have and can do really well and it can be um celebrated and they it becomes a part of the world that they create um for themselves and the right. language that they speak together um so going into this residency with uh the two dancers it's sierra armstrong and remy young from abt um that's something that i'm going to be thinking about these right. two two dancers on point and the point work equalizes them and puts them on the same level as opposed to going into um, a pot where one person is on point and one person is not. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be filmed or is it going to be live? What's the what's the plansies? My plan. Well, I'm going in kind of like with an open plan uh-huh. <laughs> for this mm-hmm. residency. I think the point is to kind of just like 
see what happens and what feels good and what kind of comes of it. But I am planning on doing a video that will premiere on the 25th of February uh, to kind of show a bit of the process. And um, it's going to be I'm not going to show like a finished work. I don't think that I'm going to put pressure on myself to create a finished work by the end of those two weeks, but mm -hmm. show something of the process and um, a little bit of choreography that we worked on just to kind of show, yeah, what we did. Right. So where could we catch this video? Is this just going to be available through your social media channels? So the residency is through Bridge Street Theater. So it's going to be on their Facebook page i believe they're gonna send a youtube link wonderful so awesome. we'll look out for it for sure mm -hmm. so cool yeah i i want to just finish up with um uh look further into the future and ask you know obviously you're, you're super ambitious in a number of different ways and different sort of sex of dance and theater but um you know like where would you like to see yourself in a decade i mean is it is it is your primary focus going to be giving voice to, um, you know, queer women who haven't, who have been basically relegated to the footnotes for so long in dance? Um, is it going to be um, more of a focal point of you as a performer or is it a balance? What, what are you seeing for yourself looking forward? I, I mean, the short answer is I, I don't know, um, but, <laughs> but so the working on the, this part that I'm kind of working on right now, or this residency that I'm going into has spurred um, a sort of like a whole initiative that um, it's called the hashtag queer the ballet. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the, the aim for me is to queer our ballet spaces mm -hmm. um, in an authentic and thoughtful way and, and kind of, um, produce, I, I think, I think beyond my own work, which I will continue to hopefully, um, do, I also want Queer the Ballet to be, to grow into a space that can maybe produce other artists' work, um, advocate on behalf of other LGBTQ plus artists, um, and may, maybe provide some sort of, like, education, mm -hmm. um, but also just change help to change the way that we think about uh, partnering and about gender in ballet and, and definitely, definitely provide more representation for queer and non-binary uh, dancers. And um, I think that I want to, I want to continue that. I also want to continue, you know, lifting up the work of other queer artists and what, and what they're doing. Cause the thing is that we need as many people as we can. We need as many voices as we, as we possibly can. Um, so I want to see where that's going to go. I want to make it so that no one feels like they're alone. I want mm -hmm. to, I want ballet to hold space for everyone and however that looks like you know for for my own career I don't know but <laughs> but I'm committed to continue working on it and um yeah make well, some awesome. change that's beautiful I, I can't it. wait to see the what the, the future holds for I mean for dance and for Adriana <laughs> me too thank you so much that was so fun always good to catch up with you thanks for coming on the pod thanks Adriana yeah, thanks guys
Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.